what the role of non-executives are in any company. Yeah, that's a good point because I think maybe we should go back a step and understand and differentiate between what's a non-executive director and what's an executive director. You know, the statutes and common law refer to directors, which includes both of those. So we must just understand that an executive director, he gets paid a salary and a bonus and all sorts of things, and he's really responsible for the operational and management of the company. A non-executive director, on the other hand, doesn't receive a salary. So he gets a a fee that gets approved at the AGM every year in advance, uh, and he really only plays an oversight role. And he get remember he gets appointed by the shareholders of the company, um, and then and then that goes from year to year. And I think the important point here is that oversight role and his his duty is quite simply um, is a fiduciary role, and his role is there to make sure that he acts in the interests of the company. I think what we've seen over the couple of years, and this is where the issue is becoming more and more prevalent in South Africa and globally for the state is the 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 the, the, the shapes of the, the board is shaping you know quite differently these days because they're not the shield is not the only stakeholder there are a number of other stakeholders probably seven or eight key important stakeholders so the so although the non-executive director gets appointed by the shield he's now actually his duties and responsibilities are now to uh, to all stakeholders and, mm. that's, and that's opening him up to a massive amount of risk so um when we look at how they are appointed as well, very often there's this uh, perception or perhaps even a misconception that people would appoint their friends, you know, some acquaintances, people who are yep. politically uh, connected, connected and so on into these positions as opposed to looking for people who could perhaps add more value if they were better suited as people with skill set in that particular industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I would like to think that that, uh, that's changed. I think uh, that certainly it used to be an an old club where, you know, as you sort of move through the companies and, you know, you appointed, you know, you had similar or common holding companies and you would appoint each other to the various boards. I think not only in South Africa, but globally that has changed. Uh, But there is still some evidence of, um, of uh, you know, the process of saying, look, well, why is that person appointed? Um, and in South Africa, we're still relatively reactive. Globally, it's, they're very proactive in terms of when you're looking at appointments. So what I like to mention, our roles as, as PwC is really to monitor these trends and try and change the, uh, the, the, the process. And one of the key things that we're looking for is that, in fact, even at the AGM, you know, the, 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 the non-exec should be putting forward a CV. You know, just like you go to any other interview, mm. the board should be saying, look, this is our guy. This is why we're appointing him. Um, please vote for him. And then, of course, the fees is a separate issue. Mm. And and then you see people who sit on various boards in some instances. And, and I've always wondered about how they actually manage to do that successfully. What would you say if you look at best practice? Um, how many boards could one person sit on and really do justice to all of them? Yeah, that's a, that's a loaded question. But the, if I say the, the norm, if I take a benchmark, and we've done this trend study over the last seven or nine years, I should say, um, and we kind of feel that three boards – is about your maximum, or let's say it's about the norm. Now, you could sit on a, I mean, if you sit on a Sassel board, for example, you probably could sit on maybe one or two smaller boards. But if you sit on four or five smaller boards, that's fine, you probably can. But I think if we look at this sort of benchmark and we say three boards, um, we've also done a study that, you know, from 2010, we did the first study, 2013, the study was on average a board takes 219 hours. 219? Hours. 
So you can go and do the maths. Mm. Um, you know, that's where I think we get the idea that three is about the maximum that you could spend, um, you know, on a, doing justice to the, to, to the board. So where people are sitting on uh, way more than three, um, yeah. then surely the company and, and, and uh, their responsibility, one would think, would suffer in some way because you obviously are not able to put in as much time as would be desirable on any of those boards. Certainly, and I think that's where I think one would guard against. That's just a generalization to say that, look, and we, want, and we monitor the trend, and there are certainly lots that uh, the trend is definitely be downwards. But mm. I think the maximum at the moment that somebody's sitting on, and we're looking at just JSE-listed companies, I think is seven or eight. Um, but when you look at that person and you break it down, a lot of the board appointments are very, you know, they could be just be investment companies or they could be very small. So they're not really very big operational companies. But if we look at big top 40 companies, I almost think, you know, you're sitting at one, maybe mm. two maximum. But but when we look at those appointments and, and obviously the people who are sitting on more boards, um, it's because the company I would like to think um, would uh, – like to derive some benefit from having this person uh, or their name associated with that company and therefore some people seem to be more sought after than others. Well, absolutely. And I think, and this is where, you know, there's a a skill um, argument and then there's the sort of just the the sort of professional and the the name that is attached. And that's risky. Um, You know, if you're pointing because you, name is often then linked to well-connected and therefore you bring other issues to that. The boards are definitely changing and moving away. There's no doubt in our minds that, look, the boards are now looking for skill and expertise. Um, and interesting enough, by the way, you know, we kind of associate experience often to age, and we've seen the age of the non-executives drop quite significantly. When we started in 2007, the average age in South Africa was um, 61. It's now 51. Um, but c- coming back to the point of technical, I think the, the question here is definitely the responsibilities there, their skill and expertise. And when we did the study in the U.S., uh, you know, the, the technical expertise um, ranked financial was the, the by far and over 90 percent is the number one. Being buddies and being names, I think, is slowly dropping down the uh, the, the the requirement in the menu list. Mm. And what about remuneration? Because uh, you know that's always a question uh, that people have. How yeah. much, on average, how much does someone get paid to uh, attend a board meeting, for example? Okay, now let, let's let's. I'm going to rephrase that question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Firstly, you we're working off a report of last year's report. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to release our new report in in on the twenty nine uh, on the on the twenty sixth of January. So I'm going to give you last year's numbers. Okay, and they have changed. So in South Africa, <laughs> gone like, higher or lower? Gone slightly higher. Okay. Okay. So the first general statement is that don't for one believe that non-executives are well paid. Um, I, 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 there, there's absolutely no ways that I can honestly say they're well-paid non-executives. Um, so when we look at, if I take a non-exec, his median pay in South Africa, or not, I mean, I'm looking at the JC, and I've excluded uh, state-owned enterprises, yeah, okay? mm-hmm. uh, because they are a, kettle, a different kettle of fish. Um, but if I take st- um, the, the JSC, the average remuneration is 304,000 rand. With a risk the same as the executive director who earns maybe 2.4, 2.5 million. Uh, and that's where I come in. As I said, remuneration or their fees as they earn, remember they don't earn a salary, is, is not commensurate with the risk that they stand. And that's why I say they are not necessarily well compensated. Most of South Africa, I think we've seen that trend. 
the guys don't only do it because they they're doing it as a as a profession because they love it's more because they love doing it and they want to make a mm. difference i think that's where we see in south africa rather uniquely um which is fantastic and you say you know uh, the risk that's inherent uh, basically doesn't warrant uh, the type of salary that they actually earn absolutely not you know the only thing remember they are they are, and they have unlimited risk and it's personal liability Explain you, that a little okay, further. So personal liability is if the company does anything wrong, okay, and it's found to be, and there's and eventually it's proved that in fact the 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 the, the board has acted, um, um, what's the legal term, you know, unduly, let's say, and there is a claim it'll be against each and every single one of the non-executive directors in their personal capacity. So one can't protect that that uh, that risk. You know, most companies will take out insurance um, on their for, for their non-executive stuff, but that generally just covers the legal fees because remember you've got three parties: mm. you've got the individual director, you've got the company, and you've got the um, uh, the, the, the 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 person who's who's posing the or putting the claim in. That's that's very interesting. Scary. Haven't thought about that actually. Yeah. Um, but 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 that would mean that uh, you would think that they would then be more invested and more concerned about what actually goes on. But if we look at reports, what we only ever see is that the executive is held accountable and not the non-executive directors, or at least we don't read but, about that. Yeah, exactly. They perceived that it's the, – the, the law would say it's the director, which, as I said, includes both the executive mm-hmm. and the non-exec. So he is – on the same, he's on the hook for the same amount as the executive director. So, I, look, I agree. I mean, I think that's why I say you look at this and the, and that's where I say the trend has been gone are the days where guys are, look, come buddy, let's sit on this this board, um, you know, and and we start. It does happen in startup companies and all that kind of thing. I, absolutely. I still think there's a trend. But I think the guys are realizing, saying, look, well, you know, you've invited me to uh, to be on the board. Most non-execs will think, not once, probably two or three times before they accept that appointment. Mm. And and um, which companies are these that you are talking about uh, that the report the report, uh, the report covers only on? the only the, um, the 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 JSE listed companies. JSE listed companies. Um, and if we talk about state owned enterprises, how does the picture differ from uh, the JSE listed companies to state owned enterprises? Well, you would have seen in last year's report. Of course, it is significantly higher. Um, I can't, and we are struggling to find a a meaningful trend in the state-owned enterprises in terms of that. So, in fact, this year's report, we've actually excluded them um, just simply because they, uh, they a lot of them are in a bit of state of flux and we cannot actually determine a meaningful trend in on, on non-execs in the state-owned enterprises, unfortunately. Not even in terms of remuneration? Well, the remunerations are – they. You know, a lot of the reports may even be late. Yeah, because uh, it has to be reported. It has to be reported. But uh, as I said, the the only um, the only the what I think it's the category A ones that that get reported, which are your main ones, um, and they are it's, it's fairly limited reporting. So, do you think that um, the, the the same sort of risk applies in the state owned enterprises as does in the private listed companies? Well, actually, it's interesting. I think it's 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 more. It's greater in the state-owned enterprises because uh, in the state-owned enterprises, in often depending which which organisation, in there are often a number of other statutes that that entity would have to comply with. Um, and bear in mind, as I said, the the non-executive director has got to be a fair with all these statutes, you know. So, uh, and the state-owned is a quality, it's actually quite highly regulated in terms of um, of, of statutes.